Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world, presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and uh, I am joined on the line by the Executive Director of Coaches Versus Racism, or better known as CVR. It's a national nonprofit leading the charge to end systemic racism through sports, and uh, this couldn't be such a a more timelier conversation with everything that is uh, going on, especially with um, Coach Deion Sanders. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Daryl Woods, Executive Director of CVR. How you doing, my guy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thanks, thanks for having me. Man, thank you um, for coming on and just alerting um, the, the city of Houston of this incredible event that is going on uh, that will be happening um, Tuesday, December 13th and on Saturday, December 17th. Um, but before we get into that, CVR, how, <laughs> how did you all, where did, where did this birth come from and 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 talk about how uh cvr was uh created and the the inspiration uh behind it well it 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 came about um you know i'm a i'm a former student athlete myself and um and obviously i've been dealing with sports you know pretty much my whole life so you know uh right around uh right after george floyd um, and then COVID, there, there was a lot of lot of time to reflect and uh, take a stance and you know show a voice and all that. So I, I have a group of uh, um, teammates that around that time we were spending a lot of time on the phones, um, just talking about impact, how we could get involved, um, and things of that nature. And uh, from those conversations, we you know. Um, CVR or coaches versus racism was was formed, um, and the initial idea was just to have a platform, you know, where uh, student athletes and coaches could kind of voice their um, opinions about things that are happening uh, from a social uh, uh, justice uh, standpoint, um, and and not have the fear of any backlash behind it, you know, um, and. So, uh, so we started with that, um, and, and we all have different relationships within the sports arena. So it made sense for us to uh, reach out and, and, and start this journey with with coaches because we just felt like coaches are, and uh, feel like coaches are uh, the one of the greatest motivators and in, in people in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and have one of the loudest voices, you know, um, when it comes to having a platform uh, and, and, and being leaders uh, for the most part. Okay. So, uh, so that's where it, it, it stemmed from um, just having, you know, meaningful conversations um, uh, about 
you know, what can we do to to, to have an impact um, on, um, you know, on our uh, on our communities. Yeah. Why coaches versus racism? Because that can trigger a lot. Like that's a <laughs> that's a uh, that's a that's an attention grabbing uh, name. <laughs> well, title. We, yeah, yeah. No, so so obviously it was intentional. Um, you know, and you know, I, I think if you want to make an impact, especially when you're talking about the human human race here, uh, you have to have attention grabbers, right? You know. Uh, for us to, to, you know, just like, you, you know, your favorite movie, you know, um, you know, before you saw that movie, there was a, there was a promo that went out to show you what that movie is going to be about, you know, to grab your attention. And we just felt like if, if we want to have a, an impact on bridging the racial divide, we felt like we can really do that through sports. Right? Yeah. We, we felt like we can really do that through sports. So, because uh, if you if you think about it, growing up, and, and it's you know it is it's coaches versus racism. So you know, but it doesn't have to be a basketball coach, or a baseball coach, or a football coach. You know, for most of us, our first coaches, the people we listen to, are, are our parents, yeah. you know, or uncles, or grandmother, or grandparents. So um, those are those are our first coaches, you know, uh, and then fast forward, you know. Um, with some of the messaging that we we want to get out, this is where this is where we are. Yeah. What was your experiences uh, growing up, even as a student athlete, athlete, and um, even as a coach, with dealing with racism? If you don't mind sharing. Well, for me, so that's that's a very interesting uh, question, uh, very good question, actually, uh, an interesting topic, I should say. Um, and we talk about this all the time. You know, I grew up, me personally, just in the inner city of Chicago on the south side. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, play in high school, uh, end up getting recruited, played in college, and and that sort of thing. So, but as a student athlete, sometimes you're kind of sheltered from the racial uh, piece of, from the rest of the world, because you're, you're, you're almost in the bubble you know, uh, so to speak, where, um, you know, and I went to, I didn't go to an HBCU, right? All, but all of my relatives did. So uh, so I had that experience knowing what HBCU experience was about. And then also, um, you know, knowing from my own experience and experience in this uh, as a student athlete, you know, going to the state of Washington and kind of seeing what the diversity was like, you know, <laughs> from a, you know, from an inner city kid standpoint, you know, um, and it, and that that that's a very interesting topic, and and we we talk about it quite a bit, you know, um, that you know, the sports part of this, you know, as as a as a participant, you know, um, especially basketball, you don't really experience it as much. Not doing, not doing sports. Now you're gonna have some time, just like with the, you know, there's an incident with the Duke volleyball player where you get, you know, a silly fan, uh, you know, shouting out some things and things of that nature. Um, things um, like, you know, what Kyrie is going through, uh, those sort of things. But, but for the most part, you don't really, you know, we're we're in a bubble, you know. So um, what I what I want to do is is you know kind of put forward you know, some of the, some of the goals and um, 
some of the goals that, that we have is to have coaches and, and, and athletes come out and voice their opinion about, you know, how we, you know, kind of can close this, this uh, bridge this gap of, of uh, uh, racial divide uh, through sports. Yeah, that's for me for um for a long time. I, I always thought that sports was a it was that thing that really did bring humanity together, especially if you are a fan of said sport. You know, I, I, I've been to many of football, basketball, baseball games where it, it, it's all kind of ethnicities and everybody. Mm-hmm. Is having a good time and getting along and, and, and cheering for, you know, their favorite team. It, it, it brings some things, you know, together. Um, but then also on the flip side, you know, you've got the systemic um, racial component uh, in sports, i.e. Um, said football, basketball, baseball team, you know, has never had a head black coach or you know somebody that's really higher up uh in the front office and 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 those positions um or or those people those melanated folks aren't given um the opportunity and so there's there's that conversation and then you have you know the instance as you just mentioned like you, you just mentioned the great brother you know Kyrie Irving a young man who is just trying to learn more about himself and who he is and where he comes from and with no ill intention at all, just, you know, post on his story, um, the picture to this documentary and tweets out, you know, the link to this documentary on his journey of trying to educate himself more on some things and the man is vilified to, to i mean and 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 they and they tried to buck break this man uh in public and so much so and i just saw today um that you know nike has now dropped kyrie irving um for what happened um last month and so it it <sighs> It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, Mr. No, it Woods. Is. And, and, and it's just it like is. we can't win. Like, here's this man. Like, we can't even think for ourselves without, you know, the public and the media spinning it and villainizing, uh, you know, weaponizing it to, to, to something that it's not. Well, yes, yes, and and yes, and yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's. With, you know, and, I, and again, there's there's a million conversations that you're gonna have about Kyrie um, and what's going on there. Um, you know, again, like you mentioned, he was trying to educate himself. Um, you know, on what you know he felt that he needed to educate himself about. You know, in terms of where he's from and and the history, and and um, you know, so this is one of the reasons why um, I believe that CVR um, exists. You know, to be able to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, right, about things that are systemic, things are social injustice, uh, the the equality piece of that. There's so many different lines that are crossed um, uh, that are, you know, that are not treated the same 
from an equity standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, like you mentioned, he, he's been vilified. Um, it's, again, there's a, a million conversations that you can have about it depending on who you ask. Right. And CVR exists to, to allow people to speak freely, you know, on a platform without being vilified. Without being you know? vilified, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's a and it's a conversation um, that needs to not just happen when something of significance is going on. If we wanted to be, let's see, we always in a position where let's have these proactive conversations instead of every time something happens, you know, or the next George Floyd or the next Kyrie or you know all these things that are happening. Uh, let's talk about these things now. So when those things do happen, the people that don't quite understand what Kyrie is saying, and and that you know, and, and he's being vilified for, then they would have some knowledge and and, and a little bit of education on where he's coming from. Because right now, I can tell you right now, probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the people uh, that are, um, you know, uh, you, you can call them vilified. You can, again, it's a thousand conversations you can have. But they, they probably never had a conversation with Kyrie, number one. Uh, number two, um, uh, they don't understand where he's coming from in his background. They just see what's on the surface, mm-hmm. what he said, what he posted, mm-hmm. the people that he, they uh, you know, assume that it's going to affect, and and everyone runs with it. Yeah. So, so our job and, and my and part of my job is to let's let's have those conversations because I, I don't think it's it's going to stop and end with Kyrie. Uh, there's going to be more conversations that need to be had. Uh, so there's a clear understanding with, with um, other racial, uh, um, other uh, races and nationalities on where each other is coming from. Like, you know, we, you know, uh, we need to understand where other viewpoints are just in the flip side of that is they need to understand other uh, viewpoints and where, where folks are coming from. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just a misconception um, of ideas that get thrown in the wrong direction. Yeah. And before we get to the uh, round ball classic, um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, did the three years at Jackson State, now has accepted the job at um, Colorado. And um, it, it's been a mixed bag of feelings. You know, some people are saying that, you know, Deion is chasing the bag. Deion says, look, in coaching, you either get elevated or you get terminated and <laughs> I, right. I i me the way that i see it <laughs> is i think that the the powers that be set back and they looked at this and they saw that all of the attention that jackson was getting and just you know just the uh the, the the amplification of hbcus uh in sports being you know nationally broadcast and all of that they saw what was going on they saw the potential of that because even and, and, and he swooped up one of the nation's you know top recruits to, to to go to jackson state i think that this was a ploy to stop the greatness that they saw coming with HBCUs with what Deion Sanders did. And so they said, you know what, let's hire this man to come back to one of, you know, our type of universities and colleges um, because we can't because if he continues and this becomes a trend, then all of the money that we have been making and getting from alumni is going to go away and start going to these black colleges and we can't have that. So let's get them in there. That's just how I see it. And, and personally, 
Right. No, I, 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 look, again, this is just like the Kyrie situation. There's a, a thousand and one conversations that you can have about it. Um, and I actually had a conversation on another radio station uh, yesterday. Um, and again, it was three, you know, three people on the conversation. We all, all had different views about it. Right. Um, you know, I, I just I just see it as number one, you got to start with this. All right. Deanna's a good coach. Right. He's a good motivator, great motivator, right. uh, great recruiter. He's played at a very high level. Um, and and student-athletes, you know, and kids want to be a part of that, you know. Um, and the, the the one thing that is, is probably missing in all that, and he's getting a lot of, you know, uh, a backlash on, on social media and all that. But we don't know because, you know, again, we don't know because we haven't had those conversations. What Dion's plan is? What if his What if his plan is to okay? Jackson State was in, you know, in the basement when he got there. He rose that brought that program out of the basement, and you know, then what if his plan is Colorado is not the old Colorado it used to be? They're in the basement now. Yeah. What if his plan is to raise that program up and then move to Prairie View and mm. So you know, right. we we don't know what his plan is. What he I, I'm imagining that he feels like he can change programs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Depending um, on the institution. Because he's just one individual, right? right. You right. know what I mean? And I can't get into his head. Right. I uh, just like no one else can and, and kind of figure out what, what his, his plan is. Yeah. Uh, unless he tells us, if he shares that information. So, um, but I, I think as him as an individual, as, as a coach, number one, um, you know, and let me just, let me just say this. If, because it, it does always come back to, you know, we talk about this at CBI, the economic divide, right, and the resources. Right. If Jackson State could pay beyond $30 million, she's still at Jackson State. Right. Right. Okay. At the end of the day. Yep. You got it. You got you it. Know? Listen, before we get out of here, we got we got yeah. to touch on this because um, this is why you're calling. And, I, and and my apologies. It's just been, um, you know, these two hot button issues. I just had to get no, you know, no, your take on it. Happening, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. But the HBCU um, round ball classic. This is the second annual um, that will be taking place here in Houston. Uh, beginning Tuesday, December 13th, uh, this coming Tuesday uh, through the 17th. Tell us about it. What, what, what are these games? So we get December 13th, we have University of Houston uh, is going to uh, take on uh, North Carolina A&T December 13th, 7 p.m. Uh, right now that game is slated for an ESPN Plus game. Uh, it could change. Uh, that nice. tip-off is at 7. Um, the the, uh, the the same week, the Saturday, December 17th, you have the first game is going to be University of Montana versus um, Prairie View and m with my guy, uh, Coach Smith, uh, Coach uh, Charles Secure, um, is the first game. The second game, you have Texas Tech versus uh, Jackson State, speaking of Dion, Jackson right. State with uh, <laughs> Coach uh, Mo Williams. So, um, so you know, we'll, we'll host these games. And, and, of course, what I always tell um, everyone is, yes, the game is what brings us together. It's entertainment. We, you know, we get a chance to – um, have other, you know, conversations around it that gets us to the table, but it's more than, you know, just, just a game. Um, uh, we're, so right now we're trying to plan, um, just like last year, we had a panel discussion 
about topics that you and I just discussed, you know, uh, some of the social issues that, you know, that are uh, plaguing our society and how, how to deal with those things, For sure. you know? So, uh, but again, the code, the, the games are, uh, you know, the tool and the platform to bring us together, but it, it's more than just, just a game. So hopefully everybody will come out and support, you know, um, you know, you can go to our website for tickets, uh, www.coachesversusracism.org. Um, and, uh, hopefully everybody will come out and have a good time. Indeed. Coachesversusracism.org is the website where you can get tickets. Coachesversusracism.org. Um, the, the, the purpose of these games is just to, you know, amplify the awareness of great talent from all schools, but the emphasis is on the HBCUs, uh, which lack traditionally uh, lack the resources um, and equipment, and 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 oftentimes, if not <laughs> more so than not, overlooked. Um, so th- this is amazing, man. Um, Woo, Daryl Woods, Executive Director of Coaches Versus Racism, man. Thank you, thank you for your time, um, your opinion. You know, you sharing your scholarship. I, I greatly appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hope to see you again. Indeed. And for those of you listening to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men in Metropolitan Houston, we'll be back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world presented by 100 Black Men in Metropolitan Houston. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Welcoming back on the program. It has been years yeah. It's been years. It's felt like um, forever. For sure. Um, I was a part of this man's uh, documentary that he shot. What year was that? Was that 2017? Yeah, it was 2017, 2018-ish. Ish, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the founder of the Black Man Project. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome him back. It's so good to see him. Man, Mr. thank Brian you so Ellison. much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, how you been, bro? I've been well. Thank you for having us, man. Well, let me edit. Um, that's so blanketed. How are you feeling? <laughs> that's That's a... That's a great question. And right now, man, I feel amazing. Good. I feel really honored. I feel I feel at peace. I feel loved, you know, feel nourished. Yeah. I feel good. How about you? The same. I'm I'm always great, you know, as I tell people all the time, like I choose love. I choose happiness. I choose to vibrate high. Yeah. Like, it's a choice. I don't let all of that other stuff get to me. I don't pay attention to it mm-hmm. um and people just like it's so wild like you're in media but you know you don't pay attention anymore no i'm not the same guy yeah you know when i had my spiritual awakening or that higher level of consciousness yeah. if you will you know i realized uh what this place was and see it for what it is and that you know this is the matrix we've been lied to about everything and, and it's <laughs> all by design they don't want us to tap into who we really are That's and right. um and i know that and yeah. and, and and i know that i you know, come from the most high, from the yeah. cosmos. And, you know, and, and some people, they're not, you know, cats ain't ready to wake up. Right. Yeah. Like, Narcoleptic. They, they, they just stay asleep. They, but, but they wake up every day, like, yeah. joyfully and willingly to take that blue pill. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh, okay, well, stay in your comfort. But, I, you know, your time will come when it's your time. I think what you said, one of the most important things in what you said is you choose. Mm-hmm. When you understand you have the power of choice. Right. So you get to choose to be happy. You get to choose to be, I mean, how long can you really be angry 
until it becomes a choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you choosing to vibrate higher. That's mm-hmm. that's huge. I'm gonna cause a little controversy with this conversation. Okay, it's good. Like what, Let's do it. What, what, what Kanye said: "With slavery was a choice." When uh-huh. He was like, 400 years of slavery mm-hmm. sounds like, like a choice, choice to me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what he was. Uh, that's what he was saying. Everybody tried to twist to. it up. Like, right? You know, he was talking about not that literal chattel slavery. No, it was a choice. Choice. He's talking about from a mental from aspect. From a mental aspect, absolutely. Yeah, man. Wow. Uh, the Black Man Project. You know, we got a lot of people that moved to Houston, and, and even though you have been consistent with the content that you have put out since I was a part of that documentary. Right. Um, a lot of people don't know what it's about. I mean, and 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 what you focus on to okay. create these healing spaces for a black man. So just talk about the Black Man Project and and, and how it was birthed. Man, in a nutshell, so the Black Man Project was birthed through a documentary which you were a part of called a Masculinity. I got the uh, is the grant called the Andy Warhol Grant, and it allowed me, it gave me funds to do a documentary. Shot the documentary, and in the midst of shooting the documentary, interviewing like thirty five black men and boys. It was very apparent that black men and boys need a space. We need a space to talk, to heal, to regroup, to be held accountable, to fall apart, to be put back together. Like we need a space. It's lacking. And I don't know. I felt the urge not to wait. I can't wait on other people to put together what we have the power to do ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And so the Black Men Project is a healing space. It is. uh, We have group therapy sessions every other week every other Saturday. Um, on top of that, we do community things. We have programmers in schools for, for boys. Um, amongst other things, like in a nutshell, like that's what we do. We're about healing and creating safe spaces for black men and black boys. Which is very, very important because we don't have those. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a part of an event called uh, Wines Giving. Um, uh, shout out to Shuley. Um, and we were having those conversations like during the promo, I'm telling, you know, the man come, this is a place where it'll be safe and you can, you know, express what it is because we hold everything in and, and, and we were and the men that were a part of this was trying to get the, the, the women to realize that when we do become vulnerable and we open up and we share some of our, you know, deepest, I don't know, secrets or fears or insecurities or whatever, childhood trauma, right. whatever it right. may be. Um, we don't do that a lot. One, because we don't know if we can trust that you won't turn around and weaponize what we shared with you against us. Yep. Yep. And that's the main reason. Yep. You know. Um, I have a good friend. Her name is Josie Peekins, and Josie Peekins has she's written for Ebony and Jet. Yeah, no, Josie. Yeah. I just saw Josie yeah. last Thursday. Right. So <laughs> she was the one that really brought it to my attention, like how sometimes women can be equally as responsible as responsible for toxic masculinity as men can, perpetuating mm-hmm. the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Basically, she was saying that when a woman turns around and then utilizes the language that her partner used when they were being vulnerable and sharing in a in a space that felt safe and you weaponize it like he might not ever do that again ever and so he internalizes everything and then one day he pops off not pop off like you know anything violent but like he's angry 
and you wonder why he did this angry emotion or gesture, it's because all the other feelings that have sat inside of him have not been able to be addressed. And so the one thing that we do see is anger. What before the anger was sadness, was grief, was disappointment, was jealousy, was confusion. But he couldn't he couldn't give language to it because when he did before, it was weaponized. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm at a loss of words because uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about how it happened to me, right. you know, sometimes mm-hmm. and how I had to um, readjust. You know, yeah, and, yep. and, 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 and fight through. And I'm glad that um, I was able to recognize such things inside of me myself from right. going through a bout of depression. I didn't know it was depression at the time until after I had got out of it. And, you know, doctor was like, oh, you was going through. You had a bout of mild depression. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, because in your mind, depression looks like one thing. But in reality, yeah, it's a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. It could look like just not wanting to go nowhere. Yeah. It could look like not showering. It could look like a whole bunch a of things. A whole lot of things. What really was um, for me when I realized, that I, especially when I had no sex drive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and this was going on for for. A good two months. I'm talking wow. months. Wow. Um, and even the shorty that I was um, messing with, that that my little summer 16 fling then, <laughs> even she was like, like, yo, like, what's going on? We had took a trip to New Orleans and, you know, you out of town. You know, yeah, you, right, you, right. Yeah, yeah, town yeah, you, you know, and I'm not there. And, and, and I had told her, like, when we got there, like, I don't know what's going on with me. Like, I haven't been feeling myself. I mm-hmm. lately I'm. I, I have no drive. I don't know what's going on. Right. You know, and um and she and 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 you know, and she understood. Yeah. It's accommodating, but I, I can still feel that energy like like <laughs> right, side eye. Like, right. <laughs> side eye energy. Like I um, and, and, and and so, you know, just things like that, things, you know, when my dad died and, and all of these emotions came down and I and I knew that I had to go home and, 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 and talk to my other grandmother on that side, like that whole side of the family and get some answers that I had. Like I knew that if I didn't do that, Brian, that I was gonna be I was not gonna be the same man. So I knew that I had to go back home to Dayton, Ohio and go to that funeral and and do that because I knew that I wasn't gonna be the same. So with dealing with, with those two things and then um just not not knowing myself that I was already you know healing myself um, when it got time for me to do Ready to Love Last Resort that first season yeah. um, that idea um, completely healed by the end mm-hmm. um, and glad for it right. and, and had a um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what really 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 healed me and, and, and was the beginning of this um, spiritual awakening journey or this higher level of consciousness if you will um, I went to the beach, went down to the beach and got baptized in the ocean. Like all of the years that I had been here in Houston, like I had never swam in the Gulf. Mm. But this particular day, like me laying out in the sun for all these hours, like I actually, I mean, in the past when I would go, like I would walk along the right, beach, right. Like, dip but in, didn't. but I didn't swim. Like yeah. this day, yeah. I'm swimming. I'm talking freestyle Body laughs, yeah. like underwater swimming. And then, you know, the waves were kind of high. And I remember, you know, just resting. I just lay on my back and let the waves carry me. And I remember just this tingly feeling coming over my body and, I, and it's just this intense 
feel of bliss and I was just mm-hmm. so happy and I'm mm-hmm. like oh my god like this is so amazing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm getting back connected with the earth right, and right. it was just and it was just so beautiful and then I go off to film the show and then we filmed this in the thick of the pandemic oh wow so yeah, the thick of the scamdemic like uh, August of, of 2020 you call it the scamdemic yeah uh, and so <laughs> Um, we had to quarantine in our room for a week and during that time I didn't know that that I was meditating but during that time where I would just sit in silence no TV no nothing have my balcony door open looking out um, getting that fresh air and I just remember sitting there thinking like I'm gonna go in here I'm gonna be myself and I'm gonna impress production I'm gonna impress production I just kept doing that and then you know not knowing that that was meditation and then what ended up happening you know I ended up looking great on the show you know even though how I got eliminated was some folks was in their feeling but then they called me back to come back for the next season and all that and so I was manifesting that television and not even realizing because I, in my mind I was just being the consummate professional yeah. and, and going in and doing my thing but I was saying all of that to lead up to to anybody everybody listening it's hard and you have to do the hard work if you want to heal yourself and get over it you have to do the work and that's the thing that humans don't want to do Brian they don't want to take that hard look in the mirror and look and deal with themselves one of our coin like um, quotes is healing is a verb a verb is action it takes work you're not just gonna wake up and be and and be healed and be healed <laughs> it don't work though it just don't work like that there's no shortcut through the pain the work has to happen if you want to get on the other end of it you know <laughs> and even thinking about what you just said a second ago when you said you were meditating and you said i'm going to go in here and i'm going to be myself when you realize that's your superpower mm. most people don't even understand like them showing up as their authentic self is their superpower. So when you show up in a space and you are your authentic self. Unapologetically. Unapologetically. But you're already halfway winning. And people sense that. Over, I didn't think that they could it's feel confident. that over the thing. Yeah. And one of my uh, exes I was talking to, she was like, yo, she was like, you attract me because you know who you are. And I was like, exactly it. And then she you was can like, tell you know, I knew. Inauthenticity reeks. It has yes. a stench. Yeah. People pick it up a mile away. Immediately. Yeah. Confidence reeks. Real, true confidence reeks. It don't matter what a person, a person can be wearing some crazy outlandish stuff, but if they're truly confident and aware of themselves, it don't matter. And the other thing that we need to do, we got to find that balance. And, you, and, and, and gentlemen, you got to tap into your divine feminine Hello? energy as well. I what? Mean, it's called energy. It's it's positive Both and these negative. Things, I'm uh, talking energy. I'm not talking, uh, um, you, you know, being hard and being soft like a battery. The, the positive side of the battery, the negative side. Like you got to tap into both to have that balance. And that's why, I don't know, I guess women, children, and babies I'm a, you know, attract to me because, you. Yeah, you know, you are, I am a supreme being. Yeah. I have both the feminine and, and the, the masculine, masculine energy. And I and know both of these things coexist. The moment you lean to one way to the other side or the other, you are out of balance. You are out of balance. And that's what this is. You listen to the public affairs podcast presented by 100 black men in metropolitan Houston, talking to Brian Ellison, the founder of the black man project, man, these upcoming uh, black men healing sessions. Uh, when is the first one? It's, it's, it's coming up, coming up uh, December 10th. And then we have one on December 31st first, okay. and okay. then January 7th. 7th. Mm. Those are the next three. And people can register, um, Via Instagram, 
um, in the bio, there's an Eventbrite, or they can just go to Eventbrite and, and register there. It's free. Okay. Um, first come, first serve. Um, first 12 men, because, you know, the numbers, you want to keep them at a reasonable amount so everybody can be heard and everybody can get the healing that they need. Indeed. Um, who, who you got on deck? Who's going to help assist in, oh, in, in these beginning steps of the healing? Thank you so much. Um, our lead therapist is a black man. His name is Femi Olukoya. And we've been doing, honestly, we've been doing this work for three months now. Mm-hmm. So this is not, we're not new to this. We're true to this at this point. And it's been beautiful. You know, um, he, he likes to coin himself as a non-traditional therapist because he curses and shit. Those are his words. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's necessary and it feels good. Like, you know, men, when they come into those spaces and that, into that particular space, they need they need that. And one of the things we say when men come is welcome home, mm. you know, because um, this is a place where you should feel at rest and at ease. Mm hmm. Man, can't wait. So y'all um, save the dates, especially for the December 31st and January um, 7th um, one. Man, this is so needed. I'm so I'm I'm over here vibrating because it's it's exciting because, you know, there's this new energy down here and a lot of people are tapping in and, 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 and realizing that everything that we have been taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers is cap. For sure. I mean, it's the biggest pump fake I have ever seen in any game. Hey, man, I just want to real quick give a kudos to you for being a part. Because, I mean, honestly, we were a part of the wave in 2017 before it was a cool conversation to have. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 2017, and then things shifted around Mm -hmm. the scandemic, as you call it. Yes. Because of all the murders Mm -hmm. that were happening to black men so things kind of shifted and like oh what about black men and mental health mm-hmm. you know because people had no sports to go to and not only that i mean just being stuck in the house and having to deal and having with to you you Woo! the man in the mirror yeah that's yeah. where it starts yeah you know um i could go really deep i mean i'm talking <laughs> about like the things that have been revealed to me, you know, from God, the most high, Jesus, yeah. Buddha, Allah, however things. you subscribe. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would be like, man, like just learning so much, like the more that <laughs> the more that I'm reading and, and, and watching and, and, and things are being put in front of me, the more that I know, the more you. that I realize I don't know. And I am perfectly fine with not knowing. Yep. I don't know. And I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. Just, I mean, I'm very cognizant of what's happening around me. Of course, our mainstream media isn't telling us the real that is going on, like, around the rest of the world. I mean, there's there's chaos. I mean, there's famine. Like, like, they keeping us dumb and blind over here. You know what I'm saying? Very restrictive. Very much so. Like, they would... Y'all think we free, please. The mainstream media, this is is state TV. (laughs) This is state TV. Absolutely. You think China's a communist country. Nah, we really living in communism because it's state TV. I ain't gonna even, you know... (laughs) 
I ain't gonna go there. That's a whole nother conversation because I'm not scared. Like it's just now, right. it's just the time. Yeah. You see mm-hmm. everything that's happened when Absolutely. that conversation about those other folks keep coming up. That Kanye and Kyrie, or that, excuse me, that Yay and Kyrie yeah. have you know have. We were talking about up. that in the barbershop, man. Man, it's listen, just, Kyrie Irving, just a man, just trying to I'll, learn more about himself learn. and put something out, and then he's vilified. I'm vilified for thinking. For, for trying thinking, to for asking more, questions. Asking questions? He asks, he's asking questions. He's trying to better understand his history. But he gets buck-breaking in public yep. for simply yes. trying for to simply. learn. It's, it's, it's a wild <sighs> game. And then one has to ask themselves, or I hope one asks himself, why is it that every time this particular group is brought up that all of this stuff Everything comes down? Is. I was just like, every day, like, y'all keep, Proven Ye's point. Does he go off on the deep end? Yes. yes. Do I agree with everything? <laughs> Absolutely not. But is he majority right? Yes. It's just delivery. It's just delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Man. Who? <laughs> <laughs> what else you you want the people to know? Because I can go. I, I need to settle down because I can go. To, um, I'll, I'll end up taking up more time than what's just, allowed it. Just to be on the lookout. Um, we also have some programming around gardening because as we nice. talk about gardening, we talk about nourishing ourselves. We talk about community. We're also going to be doing some fishing trips. Um, just uh, some trips into the. Uh, was that camping? We're gonna do some camping trips. I love really, it. just trying to. I gotta say, type in. This is yeah, right up my driveway. Right, like, yeah. all of this stuff. You know, I we're grew just up doing trying to. Just, and I didn't. So you know, <laughs> we're leaning on men that have that are more experts in these things than I am. And I, I mean, I grew up gardening, but these other, it's just creating different avenues for conversation. Everything mm-hmm. does not have to be centered around sports. Around sports. And Everything video does not games have to be centered around uh, alcohol. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so holistic, like healing, looks a lot of different ways, and we want to tap into all of those things. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, especially about alcohol, because you know, since my awakening, like my body doesn't even take it; it doesn't even react to it anymore. I don't even. Well, I never was a big drinker. I mean, I do it socially, but yeah. just even now, yeah, I have no desire. If I do, it's just because everybody else is doing it and yeah. you know, and I'll do that mm-hmm. one for right. the you know mm-hmm. <laughs> for the party to keep the party going, but that's it. But like yeah, man. It's um I imagine healing for us that does not equate to us having to be not having to have alcohol in order to have conversations, right? Because mm-hmm. it's still a numbing tool. Yep. It is still it's a still tool a yep. that is poisonous to us. And you're still skirting around whatever issue. You still skirting around and men, black men, we are dying every day due to cirrhosis, due to all these different things that are happening to our body. And we have to take accountability. The only shots I want to take with a group of men are grass weed shots. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> grass like, weed shots. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. So. This is Brian Ellison, the founder of the Black Man Project. Um, these healing sessions um, is happening now. The Black Man uh, Project, these free group therapy sessions that are happening uh, December 10th, well, which just passed, um, December 31st, that's a Saturday, New Year's Eve, and then on January the 7th, uh, which is a Saturday, Saturday, January 7th, 2023. Bro, thank you for coming on. I got to Man, have you thank back. You. Like we could, I mean, Please, bro. We, 
You really could have had the whole hour. We could have went the whole hour. I just had to, I <laughs> no, had to no, tone no. it down because mm-hmm. I started getting excited. And I looked at the time like, oh, we only got 20 minutes. So Absolutely. You, and man. I want to extend the invitation to the group therapy session. Absolutely. You know? So Saturday, 2 to 345, whenever you have some availability, we'll love to have you. You know what I'm saying? Come Let's on go. Home. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Brian Ellison, my guy. Thank you so much. For sure. Thank you. And to all of you listening to the podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston, I'm KG Smooth, and we will see you next week.